Hello, and welcome to Marriage Unchained, the art of one flesh, where saving marriages, saving families, and saving souls is the flavor of the day. Now, let's join our host and author of Marriage Unchained, Catholic Alpha Radical, Jerry Jacobs Jr. Hello, I'm Jerry. Welcome to episode 11. Today's focus is Father Jeffrey Jambon, 11 Crucial Relationship Questions Solved. So, sit back, relax, take a chill pill, and get ready to rock, but don't duck. Can you feel it? Catholic Alpha Radical, coming at you now. Hello, and welcome to Catholic Alpha Radical, where my main mission is to keep you out of divorce court, and where marriage unchained, the art of one flesh, divorce combat coaching is the flavor of the day while helping men understand marriage and courting not dating in the catholic faith why because dating is for sex and courting is for marriage this is episode 11 bam so let's do This, the quote of the day, quote, it takes three to make love in heaven, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It takes three for heaven to make love to earth, God, man, and Mary, through whom God became man. It takes three to make love in the Holy Family, Mary and Joseph, and the consummation of their love. Jesus. It takes three to make love in hearts, the lover, the beloved, and love. End quote. Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen, three to get married. Please remember to share this podcast with someone needing help in their marriage or relationship. Rate this podcast if listening on iTunes. Subscribe to this podcast if listening on CatholicAlpha.com to get new episodes in your email today. Now it's time for our next segment, Catholic Alpha's Radical Rant of the Day. The Cowardice of Men, the top 21 reasons men have caused the 2018 scandal in the Catholic Church and why we're not going to take it anymore. So before I start, as usual, this is episode 11 and this will be a 21 episode series, one per show. So we have a few less still. Also understand that the infiltration of the Catholic Church with homosexuality and radical feminism, plus the watering down of the faith and stripping away of the Latin mass was planned in order to destroy the morality 
of those within the church, the priest and laity, and is not the teaching of the Catholic Church. It's very important that we understand that. The scandal, the scandal that's going on right now, this we have to understand the difference between men and their evil and their brokenness and between what Christ was trying to say. Okay, so the teachings of the Catholic Church come from Christ, but there are always people inside the church that want to do things their way because why? They have lost their faith. And when you don't pray and when you don't get back in the game, this is what happens. And a lot of times men, I'm, I don't care if it's a priest or a bishop or a lay person or a regular whatever, it doesn't matter. Sometimes you don't even realize that you've lost your faith. And as I've heard uh, priests say before, there's no guarantee that once you lose your faith that you will get it back because God has no he has no obligation to give you your faith back. This is why it's important that we understand that prayer is the number one thing we can do. And so why was um, this infiltration done in the church? One, to destroy the American family, to destroy our morality and to destroy our patriotism in order that we become more susceptible to communism and its ideas. Um, if you want to learn more um, about this, um, those three things, um, just listen to episode two. Um, it's real easy if you just go to CatholicAlpha.com or look in the show notes um, wherever you're watching, listening to this. Um, it'll come. You'll be able to click right there or copy and paste the link in your web browser. Um Another thing, many people want to bash or worse, leave the Catholic faith because of the current scandal. And I'm going to say, as I always do, that is pure ignorance. You don't leave Christ um, just because some dudes decide to do some evil stuff or do what they want to do because you are beholden to God, not to man. So if you leave the church, if you leave Christ's church or if you start um Oh God, why did you do this to me? Or God, why this and all that? Then basically what you, you're becoming like a traitor. You, you're becoming, you have no, no real love for God because, and, and really honestly, no understanding of how Christ and his church work. Um, and that's, and it's very important that we understand that when evil men open themselves up to evil, you know, and God allows the evil, but that is that is because if God's allowing evil in your life, it's because one, you've chosen it or you on the way to choosing it and you're leaving God. And because you is 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 vital for your soul. So if God allows evil to infiltrate your life, it's because it's valuable for your soul. It's needed. It's needed for you to be tempted, it's for to make your soul stronger so that you become more holy. So if you leave the church, that's exactly what the evil one wants you to do. The devil, they want you. He wants you to leave the church. He wants you to abandon Christ. He wants you to hate God. He wants you to be jealous of everybody. He wants you to hate other people and other men. And don't don't be wrong. Get me wrong. You can you can hate a man's act, but you can't hate men. Don't hate men because hate will just keep flourishing and flourishing. And again, that's what the evil one wants. I always say Judas betrayed Christ, which means he betrayed he betrayed God. He betrayed the church. He betrayed everything. And so 
when we abandon Christ because of what other men do, we abandon the church and we start thinking, well, the church condones this. The church condones um, molesting little boys. The church condones raping girls. The church condones priests doing this and priests doing that. No, you have to be able to separate what men do from what God teaches, the doctrine, the dogma, the discipline of the church. That's why the church is still here. If the things that men do were correlated to the church, then the church would just disappear. It really would. The word of God wouldn't mean anything. So that's why we have to understand either you're going to be uh you're going to be a saint, you're going to be with Christ, or you're going to be with Judas and in the devil. You got to make up your mind. That's why you don't leave. The last thing is you can't change the church outside the church anyway. If all these things are going on in the church and you love Christ and you love his church and you want to be obedient because you love God, and that's the only real test of love for God is obedience, really, and nothing else. Um, either you're going to be obedient, you're going to stay in, you're going to make sure the evil, you're going to try to stamp out the evil within the church, you're going to fight it within the church. If you leave the church, you abandon God, then nobody's going to listen to you. You're just another person or another, you know, erratic, erotic, chaotic, not erotic, erratic, chaotic voice out in the public that really, they really don't mean anything. Stay within the church. Fight the evil in the church with the sacraments, with prayer, with adoration and devotion to the Blessed Mother, to the saints. And I promise you, we will be able to to to, uh, to eradicate all this stuff in this current evil in the church. So let's get started with number 11 of the top 21 reasons that men are responsible for the 2018 scandal in the Catholic Church. But first, let's review the first 10. Number one, which was the first radical uh, Catholic Alpha radical. It was the refusal to accept our role as men. The number two reason was we allowed the men in the Catholic Church, popes, cardinals, bishops, priests, deacons to water down to dilute the teachings of the Catholic faith, which made us ignorant. Number three was they didn't fight for Christ during Vatican II. Number four, an unwillingness to sacrifice for Christ. Number five, they have nothing they are willing to die for. Number six, men have begun raising soft and selfish boys, a.k.a. wusses. Number seven, we don't understand our mission and purpose as men, which is to protect, defend, and serve God, our marriage, our wife, children, and society at large. Number eight, we didn't crush feminism. The feminazis have taken over. Number nine, we didn't crush the Protestant revolt. We allow people to separate from the church. Number 10, we didn't crush contraception, a.k.a birth control. We kill souls before they have a chance to be born. So before each number, I will read a quote directly from the document containing Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano's testimonial or testimony. I keep saying testimonial, <laughs> but it's really not a testimonial. It's a test. It's, it's a, it's a testimony. Um, so that you can understand the gravity of this situation and move to destroy and speak out against it in your environment which is what your church, marriage, family, work, and society at large. You 
this is why I always tell, you know, say that men, we have to learn what Christ is really teaching. We have to read his words. We have to understand how to interpret his words, which is only through the, the Catholic church. You, we can't just read the Bible and think we understand what it means. Literally, it has to be literal plus the traditions of the Catholic church because Christ didn't write a Bible. Okay. Christ passed on. St. Paul says, pass on the, the, you know, pass on the faith through, uh, through voice as well as reading. Okay. The traditions of the church. Okay. You can't just, you know, go up and, and decide that I know what everything the Bible means. You have an authority that needs to interpret the Bible. Okay. So that you understand what Christ was saying. Okay. That's why Christ left the Catholic church in charge because you have to have a central authority to let everybody else know what the Bible is really saying because the Catholic church wrote the Bible anyway. So that's why I'm saying is that this testimony by um, Archbishop Vigano is important in that so that you have to learn your faith. So that when people, first of all, if you know your faith, no matter what happens inside the church, you will never abandon it because you understand the faith and what's really going on. But if you're one of those people, you don't want to do holy read. You don't want to read the Bible. You don't want to do um, um, scripture reading, which is the same thing, or you don't want to do um, uh, any religious readings. You don't want to, you know, study the saints. You don't want to watch any priests that are trying to teach the faith. You don't want to, you don't want to have anything. You don't do any spiritual reading whatsoever. You don't want to learn the faith. You don't want to practice the faith. You don't want to go to church. You don't want to do practice any sacraments. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to send your kids, bring your kids up in the faith. You don't want to send them through the sacraments. You don't want to send, you don't want to go to RCI class. Uh, you just, you know, you don't want to study any courses to learn more about what God is trying to teach. You don't want to do any Bible studies. You know, you don't want to do anything. But you want to sit there and judge what happens inside the church and you're supposed to be Catholic, too, or Christian. OK, it doesn't make sense. You have to understand what's going on, man. You have to learn so that when people come up to you and start dogging out priests, you can say, look, man, first of all, that's a small amount of that's a small amount of priests. OK, that you know, and then you can tell them, what about these public schools where teachers are molesting kids all the time? So you can bring that back on them. Or you can also say that, you know, yeah, that's happening in the church. But what about what, you know, that was planned that, you know, that the, the communists infiltrated the Catholic Church to just try to destroy the morality of the country. And so the, and by destroying the morality of the country, the first thing you do is you infiltrate the Catholic Church so that the priests start preaching certain things and so and start doing certain things and start losing credibility. See that you have to understand how the world really works. And most of us think we understand, but we really don't. And you can't understand if all you're doing is watching CNN. If all you're doing is watching CNBC. If all you're doing is watching sports all the time. If all you're doing is reading the Wall Street, I mean, uh, um, the New York Times or the Washington Post, all these liberal newspapers that their agenda is, they want, they want to, they want to do, um, they want to, um, have population control. They want to get you to abort your baby, you know, or, or 
um, or they're having um, or their agenda is, you know, to get you to believe that we come from monkeys or their agenda is they want you to, you know, you know, put the earth above human, the human person. You know, we have to understand. You have to understand what Christ is really asking us to do. Who is Christ? He's God. I had somebody tell me the other day that Christ is not a real person. I said, where in the hell did you get that? Where, what authority did you get that from? What about, I said, what, what about all the witnesses? What about all the witnesses that saw Christ and saw him do miracles and stuff? I've heard people say that priests have actually stood up in front of the congregation and said that there is no, that uh, Christ really didn't feed the 5,000, that it was like the people were sharing, that he really didn't do the miracle. Do you understand if if you sit and no one stood up in that church and called, told that priest to shut his mouth, you know, we cannot, we know as men, we can no longer sit back and just let priests stand up and preach what they want to preach with no consequences. We cannot, we have to let the Holy Spirit guide us into shutting down these blasphemers, man, because once priests start doing this or ladies start, they, the, the lady starts to believe it. And then, as if the the ladies start to believe it, then the the um the society starts to believe it. You know, it's 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 called heresy, man. You can't allow people to stand up and do that, and that's why we have to learn our faith, so that when people come about this this crisis that's going on in the church, that you can speak on it intelligently. If you truly love God, you will learn what is going on, and not just sit there and believe everything you hear. Okay. That's why you listen to me, right? Catholic Apple radical. <laughs> okay. So, um, I also place a link um, to the full document in the show notes. Um, quote, uh, quote on Archbishop Vigano is the next quote. Quote number 11 is Cardinal, quote, Cardinal Pietro Perlin. The current Secretary of State was also complicit in covering up the misdeeds of Cardinal McCarrick, who had, after the election of Pope Francis, boasted openly of his travels and missions to various continents. In April of 2014, the Washington Times had a front page report on McCarrick's trip to the Central African Republic and on behalf of the State Department, no less, as Nuncio to Washington, I wrote to Cardinal Parolin asking him if the sanctions imposed on McCarrick by Pope Benedict were still valid, that my letter never received any reply. End quote. And see, this is the thing. I'm going to see this again. I keep saying it. You know, we want to dog out the priests that are really trying, like that are trying to do things right, that are trying to do God's work, the bishops that are trying to do God's work, that pray all the time, that are devoted, that love Christ for real, that haven't lost their faith. Like Cardinal McCarrick, I mean, a Bishop McCarrick, not McCarrick, um, Bishop Vigano has really, you know, he's really putting it out there. And, you know, and not just putting it out there, you could tell, you could tell this brother kept notes. <laughs> Because everything he's saying is like exact. He's telling you dates. He's telling you about everyone else that's involved, who he sent his letters to, to complain, to try to get this rectified, you know, and that's how you do it. 
when I was in the military, I was in the Air Force, you know, the thing about the government and, and, and prosecutors and all that, you know, and the police, here's what they do. Everybody lets you go along and do what you want to do and think that you're free and think that you can do whatever you want and you get comfortable. So in the military, when you, you know, you, you know, you're doing wrong, but you think I can get away with it. But then what happens is they come and when they come, they they have written down every single little thing you did. They wrote down what time you slept, what time you woke up, how many times you snored during the night, <laughs> how many times you went to the bathroom during the night. They have documented every single thing. That's why God, they just let God just let you do whatever you want. And the devil lets you encourage you to keep doing it. But then, man, when they come, everybody, when, when, when the authorities come, like when if, if, if Pope Francis was doing his job, you know, if this was Pope Leo or somebody like that, man, when Pope Leo would come on these bishops, man, on these cardinals, man, he'd have stuff so documented. Well, no, you couldn't argue about it. You're going to jail or you getting moved or or whatever. And that's how the authorities are doing right now. They are like in Philadelphia. They are just being real cool. They are just building their case. And when they come, they're going to come in the church since the church couldn't take care of its own business. What you have done is you have allowed the, the government authorities to come in and direct to you and arrest your people, your priests and your cardinals and bishops in your church. You are totally, this is totally embarrassing, okay? You have totally disrespected Christ, the Trinity, and everything. And, um, you know, Cardinal Vigano, he is really, no, I'm sorry, Bishop Vigano is really laid it out there. And this is how you know that what he's saying is probably the truth. It's too much, it's too much detail. And do you hear anybody saying, oh, you know, he's lying? Do you hear anybody in the church, anybody, at high up as it goes, do you hear anybody going, you know, he's lying? No, they're not. They're not saying that. You know why? Because they know it's true. They're trying to figure out a way to hide the thing that's going to blow over. But guess what? I have a feeling it's not going to blow over. Now, realize these top 21 reasons are in no certain order as they all feed upon one another. So what is the number 11 reason men have caused the 2018 crisis in the Catholic Church. Drum roll, please. Number 11 is, we didn't crush abortion. Ooh. Yep. And what's the current battle cry for all the women Fibonazis today? See, I call them Fibonazis, like Rush Limbaugh thing started that. But he's right. We call them feminazis because they are completely lost their mind. They have completely went overboard. And how do you know they went overboard? They're mentally ill, dude. They're mentally ill. They really are. So the current battle cry for all women feminazis today is it's my body and I can do with it whatever I want. Okay. And I have to ask, okay, it's your body, right? I'm going to tell you, I feel sorry for them, really. I feel sorry. There was a priest, uh, I think his father Ripperger said that, you know, if you look at the feminazis or feminine, feminist, feministic women that that's their thing, they are mostly miserable and they're true. They're just like us men that don't know our role and that we have no clue of what our purpose is. You know, it's the same thing. Men like that are totally miserable. 
men that don't know their purpose or only thing they do is seek pleasure is that they're completely miserable. They're not going to admit that to you. They're going to think that they're happy. They're going to tell you they're happy. Everything's great. Just like the men feminazis do. They tell you they all, they all try to hack happy. They all try to tell you how great their lives is. Oh, and then when some man dogs them and, 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 and uh, when some man kicks them out the curb, kick them to the curb and kick them out the bed, then they start crying to you and talking about how, uh, you know, I'm so, uh, he, he left me and blah, blah, blah. But man, Men are not do not are not drawn to women that aren't feminine, who aren't virtuous and who or who try to control them. OK, that's just a relationship one on one. But what do you do? You think that you can control a man and he's going to listen to everything you say. He ain't gonna listen to nothing you say. He's not. And feminazis are they are miserable. But I feel sorry for him. I really do. Because they have no clue. And a lot of times, you know, most women growing up today, they're not taught how to even be a lady, how to be, how to have class, how to use their power to influence men in the proper way, you know, to make that man really love them because they are a holy, virtuous person, not because they're trying to control him. And men are attracted to women who are trying to be nurturers, who are who want to raise families and who want to contribute to society, really contribute to society by raising holy and virtuous children. OK, really. And and you can as a feminazi, you can try to deny that all you want. But look at your life. You know, you sleep with 10, 20 different dudes over two or three years, four years, 10 years. And and all of them leave you. D- Duh, McFly, open up your brain and your eyes and look. You keep picking the wrong dudes and you don't even understand that much. So you want to kill your baby. So now you want to kill your baby. You want to be so completely selfish. You want to kill your baby. You want to be completely selfish. You know, if you get pregnant, well, I can't go be a doctor now because I'm having this baby in my way. Do you understand how completely selfish that is? You are just doing the evil one's bidding. Why? Because evil costs, evil is called, um, called sacrifice. Okay. Evil needs, in order for evil to flourish, flourish, it needs sacrifice. And what are the sacrifice? It's the sacrifice of the babies. Okay. And we have fallen into that and men are allowing that. Okay. Also, does that include lying to your husband or your shack up boyfriend? Okay. You kill your, you know, you, you, it's your body. You can do what you want. But then, you know, people kill me how they're moral. They're supposedly so-called moral in this area, but they're not moral in the other area. You know, so basically you can kill your baby, but then, you know, then that's supposed to be righteous. OK, it's your body. But then you go and you lie to your husband or you lie to your boyfriend that you didn't kill this baby. You don't even tell him. How moral is that? Okay. And then I was like, is this really love? I mean, is lying, uh, being disobedient to God, lying to your boyfriend, lying to your husband, uh, trying to hide that you're pregnant, you know, um, slobbering all over everybody because you're pregnant. You got, you know, you know, sex does work. Sex works. And then you have sex. You give your, you give your gift away to these dudes. And then when they don't do what you want them to do, you start slobbering all over everybody, telling them how, how crazy men are and how mean men are. No, men are just being men. Now, don't get me wrong. 
men are ultimately responsible for this, but men are called to control themselves. But you know, you have some responsibility as a woman too. You have to keep, you have to keep your legs closed. That's just the bottom line. You know, if you don't want to get hurt, if you want to keep your sanity, if you want to keep your emotional and spiritual stability, you will keep your legs closed. Don't give your gift away and you will court instead of date. Why? Because dating is for sex and courting is for marriage. All right. If you want a man to marry you, you will keep your legs closed. OK, and you will make him show you that he really loves you, because if he really loves you, he and is interested in you as a human person. He will stay around no matter how long that you do not give him your gift. OK, next. Um, so um, you kill you kill it in secret behind closed doors. So I've just talked about that. Then you re- you rationalize it with all the other finnasty saying, I own my body. So you feel guilty. You feel shame. And another thing too, you have to remember that this is from my experience of being around women that have had abortions. Okay. Young women, medium, you know, thirties and forties and seventies and eighties. I've been around all of them and all of them regret it. Okay, and then that psychological pain and shame and guilt never leaves you, especially if you're if a person is not Catholic because they they can't go to confession and have the sacrament of confession be forgiven by God, you know, or if you're a practicing Catholic and you don't go to confession and and a woman thinks that or a man, too, you encourage your woman to get um, to get an abortion. And then what happens is you contribute to that. So you have guilt and shame on you, too. It's very, you know, we we have to understand that evil allows, encourages us, Satan encourages us to do all these things. And then he'll go, oh, man, you shouldn't have done that. God's never going to forgive you for that. And we believe it. That's why it's important that we understand our faith. Okay, please start doing some spiritual reading. Start understanding the traditions of the church. All right. So. When you, as a, as a when the feminazi, when she realizes that she's killed her baby, does this make her feel good? Does this make you feel? Does this make her feel like a real woman? I mean, I mean, the woman that God created her to be. First off, a woman's body is not her body. Who does it belong to? It belongs to God, the Creator. Remember, we are creatures, but we are the highest form of creature. We don't come from monkeys. Okay. Also, your body belongs to the people who love you, who help create you, which are your parents. Okay? So there's God and then your parents. That's who your body belongs to. And then the ones who love you, your brothers, your sisters, your aunts, your uncles, your friends. See, when you are so selfish as a woman to think that what yo but what you do is your own, that is complete selfishness. Who are you freaking sacrificing for? You're sacrificing for nobody but your own self. You allow some Planned Parenthood counselor to talk you in to killing your baby for convenience. Why? So you can be a lawyer, so you can be a a, a doctor or a scientist or a factory worker or whatever. Dude, that is just them feeding into the evil to convince you to kill your baby because once you kill your baby, there's no going back. And you know that as a woman, deep down inside, you know that as a woman and your boyfriend knows it, too. But what does he do? He punks out. Don't tell you. Oh, yeah. You better go out there and do it. 
You better go on out there, girl. I'll give you the money. Is that really love? Does he really love you? And then here's what a lot of women do. They'll take the man, the boy's money, then go kill the baby, then get mad at the man. He don't really love me. Of course he don't. Of course he don't really love you. Come on. Okay. Moreover, as a woman, you'll never get over it. You'll never get over an abortion until you come to the Catholic faith, you come to Christ, you come to God, you ask for forgiveness and confession, and then you go to confession. Confession, you don't go to a psychiatrist, okay, because that stuff only works temporarily and most times don't work at all. You need to be forgiven by God because he is the creator. You killed his soul. You killed his baby. You killed that person. Okay, and this is simple. It's not rocket science. The guilt and shame never leaves and you'll never be completely happy. Okay, as a matter of fact, if you don't go to confession, the demons influence you to abort your next baby and the next baby and the next one until you lose all hope in yourself. What is that? That's Judas. That's what happened to Judas. He betrayed Christ. Instead of going to Christ for forgiveness, what did he go do? He tried to give back the money. It didn't make him feel better. They kicked him out the temple. Then he got so distraught and so depressed. What did he do? He wouldn't go hung himself. Okay. Which brings on depression, causing disease and mental illness. When you don't go to confession, it causes you to become lose all hope because your sin and the bad things you've done, they just keep geometrically increasing up on your soul, which does is what? Like I just said, it causes depression. It causes hopelessness. It causes disease, mental illness. But no, your psychiatrist can't tell you that because he doesn't understand the human person. He doesn't understand the human condition. Okay. He went to some liberal school that didn't know, doesn't understand anything. They only want to use science. Don't get me wrong. I love science. It's good for my cell phones. It's good to prevent, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, a disease or something, maybe, you know, and help, you know, cure a broken arm or something. But science is if, if, if you don't in insert the spiritual, the human condition into science, the Trinity into into the to science with that, then you don't understand the human person. And that's why a lot of there are a lot of doctors that do understand the spiritual side of God and the Trinity, and they they can combine that with, with with science. And man, those are the best doctors. But you know what? They are so far few in between. You can't find them. Okay. Um, which brings on. Okay, with the Supreme Court decision in 1973, which legalized abortion, women are now lower to the status of dirt. I'm just gonna be serious about it. Okay, women are lower to the status of dirt. What does that mean? They are now looked upon as eating utensils, as objects, things to be played with for pleasure. Then when the man's done with them, what do they do? They throw them away when when the use for them is no longer desired. Wow. How far have women come? This really pisses me off that men have stood by and allowed this to happen. Women, if 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 there is no consequences, sex is meant for the married. OK, so when you allow a man, when a woman allows a man to take her gift without any consequences of commitment, which is what marriage, which is what real love, which is what obedience to God. Every time you break one of those 10 commandments, your life becomes miserable. OK, 
And is it? I just, I just hate it how women are used, and then they're too ignorant to even know that they're being used. Even the nicest man, some woman to go, well, my my boyfriend, he's just so nice, he wouldn't do me like that. Yes, he does. <laughs> he's doing you like that every time he's living with you, and 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 having sex with you. It's not real love. It's not, and you know it's not. In deep inside of your heart as a woman, you know it's not real love. You know it. But what do you do? You let your emotions rule. And your emotions tell you, I can change him. I can make him into what I want him to be. He'll come around. He'll love our children if I have a child. No, he won't. Because if he did, he would control himself. He would. He would treat you like a real feminine woman and of devotion he put you on a pedestal and if he doesn't do that he doesn't that doesn't prove to you by sleeping with you that he loves you it just proves that he likes getting sex bottom line and men the ones listening to this you know i'm the truth you know of the truth you know it's the truth you know it's the truth come on now and i can't i can't understand the young i can you know and i can understand the young boys you know, they really don't know any better or have, you know, have the life experience. But you knuckleheads 35 years and over, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years old, you know the deal. You know what abortion does to women. You know that. You got enough life experience to know why. Well, you ain't going to want to admit it because you like having sex. But you know the deal. You know, you know that free sex, what it does to women and how it harms them emotionally and spiritually and psychologically. You know that. You know that. Okay? Come on, man. We we have to stop being selfish as men. We have to start standing up and manning up. Okay? But what do we do? What do men do? Stand by, say nothing, allow women to misuse their bodies, killing their babies. Why? Because of pure selfishness on the part of men. Like I said, we like having sex. We like pleasure. Okay? We are not men are not going to sacrifice unless women make them. What, how does that happen? Women, men, women make men sacrifice by proving that, making him prove that he loves them. By what? First of all, don't have sex with him. Two, don't live with him. Three, don't be alone with him. Because men, even the dumbest man, we are, we good. When we, when we want to make love to you, we'll say anything and we'll do anything too. Ask your daddy. He'll tell you, woman, women. He'll tell you, ask your daddy. He knows. Um, abortion has caused many consequences in the Catholic Church. Okay. And then, and when, when things affect the church, they always affect society many times worse. Why? Because the church is supposed to be the moral center of the world. And that's what's going on today in the Catholic faith. We have priests and bishops, cardinals abusing young men, priests, bishops, cardinals. Um, having sex, um, a, a child molesting young boys and young girls. Okay. And we just think it's just going to all go away. We just think, oh, it's just a certain, it's just a certain, only a certain people are certain. No, those people were implanted in the church back in the, uh, what is it, 50s or 60s or I forgot the exact time. But it started around the 20s and 30s when the communists saw, started seeing that the Americans weren't going to come over to their way of thinking. So they decided they're going to start infiltrating and destroying the church. Okay. And this, what you see today is the culmination. Because 
The reason that priests and people can uh, can can um in and, and, and public schools too, teachers and look, look at those statistics. The reason that these people feel that they can abuse children is because they have no God. They and one other thing too, they need validation. Okay, so what they do is they abuse a child, then they go and try to get a partner so that that partner makes them feel better, well, good about what they do. Evil loves evil. Misery loves company. And it's time that we stop, get our heads out of the sand, open our eyes and get back in the world. Okay, get back and what understand that the Catholic Church Christians are the way to to um, if you want a balance in your society, you must re-implement God in it. Okay. Um, and because the church is the center of the of the world, and when it falls, and when the church fails to stand up, create and abide by the truth of God and his word, generations upon generations suffer, like what we have now. So what are some of the consequences for the cowardice of men? By not controlling their passions and pleasures and allowing women to step down off their God-given right of being put on a pedestal, of being cherished and loved unlike any other creature on this earth first. There are no children in the schools, especially Catholic and Christian schools. I always say this. We all, you know, we're closing churches all over the place. You know, churches are being closed. Schools are being closed. There are no kids in the schools. 200 kids in a Catholic school, 800 kids in a Catholic school. Used to be thousands and thousands of kids in Catholic schools in each school. You know, now it ain't. They just closed Indianapolis. They just closed. Uh, they closed one of these schools. They closed Broad Ripple. They closed Arlington. Why? Everybody thinks that there's all these kids around and there ain't all those kids around. All the kids been boarded. Okay. That's why they, and the government, one thing there's not stupid about, they will close stuff down if there's, if there's no economic reason to keep it open or no charitable reason to keep it open. So if there's no kids, there's no reason to keep the schools open. Okay. Now, next abortion has devastated, has devastated economics in our society because we have killed millions of souls that would have created and fulfilled jobs and flourished the economy. You don't hear that a lot either. The more people, you know, children that you have, the economy grows. You get larger. It makes it, it flourishes the economy. More people in, in you know, in finance, more people in, as doctors and lawyers, more people as, you know, the more people that to become and do the things that the society needs. We don't have to let illegals in to, to um, that are not legally here that really have no education, that they only care about Mexico. And let's be real. People that come up, they really only care about their home. They really don't care about America. I mean, that that's not might not be politically correct, but it's the truth. It's time we start telling the truth. And the truth is, too, people come up from South America to infiltrate the country so they can make money and send it back to their families. That's what they want to do. And then they don't come to adopt our country. They don't come to adopt the ways of America. They come and bring their culture into America. Okay? No. No. America is of God. America is of the Constitution. America is, you know, of 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 righteousness and, and but what do we what do we done over the last 100 years? We're destroying that. If people really love America, that's why you make them go through the proper channels. Because then they prove that they're loyal to our country. Okay? It's very simple. It's very simple. But no, what do we do? 
We, the politicians, namely the Democrats and the liberals, I'm sorry, that's just the real deal. That's just the truth. If you just research it, you'll figure it out. You know, they want votes. They think that that illegals, aliens coming in, what will happen is they'll feel like that, that, that they will feel like they owe the Democrats something and they'll vote for them. But isn't that what politicians do all the time? They give favors to each other or they give favors to constituents. They try and buy them. And so what happens is when they get in office, Obama, he owes everybody everything. He's got to give all these favors out. And Obama's not the only president that that happened to. That happened to a lot of other presidents. You don't get to be president by luck. Okay, moving on. Also, there are no young people in the church pews. Why? Because we killed them all. Archdiocese. Archdiocese all over the United States are closing churches left and right. Why? Because there are no people and because of the watering down of the word of God. People are leaving the church because they can get a watered down gospel anywhere. And that's what our our clerics don't understand in the church. They don't real they think, well, I don't offend nobody. I'm gonna teach the church the truth of God. And what'll happen is people sit in the pews, they go, Well, if there's no real rules, or if God really doesn't love me, because obedience to God is how you prove love. And me and my wife were talking about that the other day. That's the real way you prove that you love Christ by being obedient. Okay. And if people are in the pews or in the church pews, and then there's a priest up there or, 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 or a reverend or a pastor up there telling him, you know, you can have homosexual sex. You can have heterosexual sex, all these things outside of marriage. You can, you know, you can um, you can take contraception and birth control and kill the souls. You know, you can go out and get drunk anytime you want. You can go out and just do whatever you want. You can take all the drugs and marijuana, cocaine you want. Okay, I can go anywhere. and get, I can get that from the world. But priests think because, and not just the priests, a lot of them are under, they're under a lot of pressure. I know that, you know. They're under a lot of pressure to do what people are asking them to do. And that's, you know, and, and God, you know, and, and I'm sorry, the bishops will will send them to Siberia somewhere if they don't do, if they preach the word too strong. And the priests know that. So it's really, is it really, it's like in the military. If if you're a captain and you're a, you know, you're a sergeant and you're a captain tells you to do this and you don't do it, you can go to jail for it. So who's ultimately responsible? The captain's responsible because he gave you an order. And that's kind of how it is in the Catholic Church a little bit. If the bishop gives a priest an order, don't preach about abortion. And he does. Even though we told him that, he can send him off somewhere or punish him. Okay? So I understand the plight of the priest, man. It's not, but man, here's the job. Here's what I'm going to say. As men, it's our job to suffer. Okay? It's our job to give our lives for Christ. If someone gives you an order and it's not moral, you are not obliged to do that. A bishop can't tell you, can't tell a priest to not speak on abortion. Okay, he can't. That is an unlawful, immoral order. That's going against Christ in the church. Okay, so if you do, if a priest does that or a deacon does that, what happens? They want to punish him. Well, guess what? That's a good thing in the cosmic, in the way of, in the divine world, because you have just sacrificed your wants, desires, and needs for Christ. And you will be rewarded for that. But a lot of us have lost our faith. 
And so we don't understand what the suffering and sacrifice is. I pray every day that God gives me the courage to be the man that he would have me be in a situation as such as the priests go through. Okay. So, um, and because people aren't having babies, what an average of less than two now, how does that help God's kingdom? So we're not having babies less than two, I think somewhere around two. Um, and that's not, that's not, you know, for in our kingdom, God's kingdom. Answer, it doesn't. This is a great reason why God created men in logic and women in emotion and nurturing. We check each other. We we do, you know, when we do stupid stuff. It's the men's job to think without emotion and demand that women control themselves, which means consider children and their husband and the family, but not killing souls through contraception and killing souls through abortion. I know it hurts. Women, and I, I know it's uncomfortable too. But women, please understand, understand when you don't do your role and men, so men don't do their role, then who suffers? The children. Your children. You, we think that it's all about money and money is important. But spirituality and the moral order is 10 times more important because you raise happy Moral, holy children that do what? They go and have families and they raise moral, holy and and God loving and human and, and people loving children as well. And it just goes on and on. Women, mothers, we miss you. We need you. The, the daycares, they're going to survive, but they can survive without your children. Please understand when you kill a soul, you have just subtracted from society. You've harmed your soul and you've harmed the the divine. Okay. Next. But men have disappointed God, women, children, and the unborn children. Why? Because of our refusal to uphold our duty as true man. Our job as men is to protect, defend, and serve. And our job is to to help women, just like women's job is to guide us. Our job is to help women make the proper decision, not indulge them in the decision so that they don't nag us. All right. Our job is to protect our women from themselves and protect our women from ourselves. Okay. As men. But what do we do? We sit back and allow evil to reign. We go out and fish and golf and watch sports at the sports bar. So, gentlemen, you say this is not your fault. I say it doesn't matter what I say. It matters what God, your creator, says. And my friend, as you stand before a particular judgment and turn around looking for your wife or girlfriend or your mama to save you, there will only be the unborn babies you allow to die during abortion. The unborn souls that you allow to be murdered during contraception, a.k.a. birth control. And as you turn back to Christ, what will his final judgment be of your life? Brother, there is still time and you are still breathing. Fix this. So what do you think? Send your questions and comments to Radical Questions at CatholicAlpha.com. Again, send your questions or comments or show ideas to radicalquestions at catholicalpha.com. 
Please remember to share this podcast with someone needing help in their marriage or relationship. Rate this podcast if listening on iTunes. Subscribe to this podcast if listening on CatholicAlpha.com to get new episodes in your email today. Okay, our next segment is Warrior Stories. Warrior Stories is our segment on ordained men who are fighting the spiritual battle in the Catholic Church every day through sacrificing their lives, bodies, hearts, and souls for our ultimate warrior, Christ. And today's warrior is Father Jeffrey Jambone of Covington, Kentucky Diocese at Our Lady of Lords Parish. Ordained December 21st, 2011 in Rome at St. Mary Major's Current Outreach, Franciscan's Daughters of Mary's Soup Kitchen. He serves the Latin Mass exclusively. Yay! <laughs> Please welcome Father Jeffrey Jambone. How are you doing, Father? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Now, did, when you said ordained 2011, I was ordained 2001. Did I say 2011? I think I heard that. And you know what? Know. And I have 2001 <laughs> right here on my paper, too. <laughs> That's okay. Man, we're having problems today, aren't we, Father? <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> um, so we're, um, we are going to go ahead and get started because I am very excited to hear your answers to these questions. Although you said they were easy, so hopefully, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully I don't step word. It is, it is. <laughs> so let's go. So, how did you grow up with Christ? Um, were you a cradle Catholic or are you a convert? Yes, I was a cradle Catholic. Uh, I was born and raised in the bayous in Louisiana. Uh -huh. So therefore, so therefore, we, we breathe uh, Catholic oxygen. My parents, lovely parents, they're still alive. Um, mm -hmm. Very Catholic. We went to Mass every Sunday. Uh, we, we frequented the rosary. Uh, went to Catholic uh, grade school. Wow. Uh, high school. So, and, we, and then I went to Mass as much as possible, especially uh, during Lent time. We went every day. Uh, we had a great pastor. My pastor was from the old school. He was born in Harlem, grew up in the Bronx. He was in the Air Force uh, back during the Korean War. Um, he was very strict, but but also very kind-hearted too. But very faithful to the to, to the faith. And in the nineteen seventies, late seventies, early eighties, when everything was going off the handle, he kept things on the wraps. Now he was doing, a, of course, the English mass because because we thought the Latin mass was forbidden. Uh, but he had that Baltimore catechism style of pastoral, which now, was very very helpful for us. Now, what do you mean they thought the Latin mass was forbidden? Well, back in those days, if any priest would just say, okay, I'm just doing a Latin Mass, forget what everybody else says, uh, they'll probably get excommunicated from the church back in those days, uh, back in the 70s, 80s. It was forbidden for any priest to do the Latin Mass uh, in the mainstream diocesan uh, world. And so that's when Pope John Paul came out and said that it's okay, or gave it back. Which, which, which Pope gave it back that said that 
that the priest can do whichever mass they want to? Well, it wasn't clear until Pope Benedict XVI so, yes, came right. out. Gotcha. But that was but that was two thousand seven, so I was already a priest by that time. Right, right. <laughs> Oh, I'm just talking man. about. I'm just talking about my early, my early childhood. Right, and I was trying to recall which pope uh, came out and said that. Listen, we can do the Latin Mass if we want. That, Absolutely. Right. Okay. So, um, so growing up, God was in your family strong. Uh, very strong, I would say so. So was was your father? Your parents were were married. Um, I take it. Yes. Okay, and. So your father was he the um, was he more of the the we're going to math going to the going to mass type or was he was your mother really the one that kind of well well both of them were very very strong with the same idea they both were very staunchly Catholic all the oh, way oh sweet yeah and and I just uh, last year I I said a high mass for them um, on in June it was their fiftieth anniversary of of being married so they're still alive. Yeah, still alive. They're both seventy-one years old, and they got <laughs> married at twenty. Both of them were twenty. Wow. Yeah. My grandmother, she is ninety-one, and her and my grandfather were married for like sixty years. Man, wow, <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Okay, so what happened to prompt you to consider becoming a priest? So, if both of your parents were truly hardcore Catholics and really loving Christ. Then so what prompted you to want to become priest to start out? Well, you know, it, it kind of started uh, with having the grace after my first Holy Communion to be able to uh, become an altar boy, which I, I believe it should be only be boys. No girls should be permitted. Right. Uh, we had we had about 80 boys on the list from the Catholic school right across the street. Wow. And we had teams of about eight boys in each team and we all took turns but it was a it was still a very reverent mass they had the pipe organ everything was in slow motion it wasn't you know all this charismatic stuff uh clapping, <laughs> and, clapping and screaming uh so so that in a sense was very very attractive to me because it was, it was kind of a manly liturgy it was still kind of very militaristic it was very idealistic and and father gave it the great uh taste and actually, I just I just buried father uh, uh, back in August. He died. He uh, so I went to his funeral in the Bronx, New York. What was York. his name? What was his name? Uh, his name was his name was Father Anthony Serio. He was a very good, very holy priest. He was a very good priest, very good example. But he it was he was a priest for the Archdiocese of New Orleans, even though he was originally from New York. So when you say that the boys like me, you had a list of eighty boys just to get on the altar. Wow. So. When you say, what, what do you think that when you start allowing girls up on the altar, how does it affect the boys? And how well, does it, it affect was, the liturgy? Well, I, I give you that concrete case of that parish that I belong to as a boy. So when, when I was already off to study for the priesthood and I was already almost a priest, well, well, Father had retired and he warned the pastor coming and he says, please do not do any altar girls because it's going to be a disaster. So the priest uh, did not listen to him. And and he got altar girls. So, but within about a question of about six months, they went down from you know having eighty to hundred altar boys to having just uh, about five or six boys, and wow. the rest were like a little group of girls. And then to this day, they're always getting the ninety-year-old guy to go serve mass because there's nobody <laughs> around. <laughs> okay, um, what orders 
okay, once you started discerning on the become to become a priest, um, what orders or seminaries did you visit and who did you talk to to help you decide? Yeah, so to give you a premise, just to enter there, because I didn't fully answer your last question, because you said, well, how did I become a priest, or what got me thinking about it? Oh, I'm sorry. Well, 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 no, it was definitely, like I said, that background, and then when I was so close to the altar, uh, through Holy Communion, through, and so especially the Blessed Mother, I really started to, to discern that, wow, I can be like like Father, because Father's a good example of a good priest, and it just kind of grew on me. Uh, but then when I was an adolescent, I kind of put those ideas to the side and then, um, but when I got about 15 years old, 14, 15 years old, it hit me like a ton, ton of bricks, especially when someone had mentioned to me, um, there was the apparitions of Medjugorje, even though today, I mean, I, I, I don't, I can't say for sure she's appearing there or not. Right. Uh, but back in those days when I was in high school, it really affected me. I went for a visit there when it was still communistic country as a, as a high school student. And that's what, that's where all the fervor came back to me, uh, fully like I had as a little boy. Now you mentioned to me, uh, how, what orders did I search out and so forth? Well, um, back in those days, uh, the seminary of New Orleans, um, was pretty, pretty barren. I mean, th- I'm, I'm just giving you, I'm not judging anybody. I'm just saying what the opinion of people were back in those days of my right. people who surrounded me. Right. Um, it was kind of a liberal thing. That's the, that's the take everybody had. Uh, so my, my, my formators, uh, my pastor told me, don't go to the diocesan seminary because you'll be out in the next day. Wow. Uh, because, because things were just so liberal to walk around in shorts and all kinds, whoever knows whatever else is going on. Um, right. So my idea of going to seminary was to be in a, a black cassock, you know, and pray and be disciplined. Right. Um, so there wasn't much out there. Um, I didn't know anything about Lefebvre because it was just all that polemics was just happening. And I was in high school, so I wasn't really in tune. We didn't have Internet to know about it. So um, so I, I said, OK, well, I really want to go somewhere. So the first option I had was to look at the Legionaries of Christ. The Legionaries of Christ was uh, an extremely orthodox group at that time in the 80s right it was very kind of unknown in the at least in the usa at that time it was just kind of starting off and so anyway i got to know about it so i went for a visit and i kind of fell in love because it was singing gregorian chant every day they had cassocks on they had plenty of them they were living a spirit of charity um they were very serious about being loyal to the magisterium of the church um, the, the, the whole tradition of the church, even though they were doing English mass, but that's all I knew up to that moment. Uh, I just knew a reverent English mass. Um, so everything kind of clicked. And so I committed to that. I stayed, I was there, uh, for 13 years as a seminarian traveling all over the world, 29 countries, 46 States, um, kind of being, kind of being a missionary going all over the place and studying for them and was a priest with them for nine years, uh, uh, until the huge scandals broke out about the order and the Pope said to refound uh, the order. But a lot of us uh, thought that we were really deceived. And I really think that the order, if it's going to continue, um, I think they have to do two things because it's just, it's, it's unprecedented in the history of the church. Now, if we use Catholic principles, that order would have been disbanded uh, right. because, because you cannot award reward someone you can't let them let their legacy continue, even though you have perfect saints within the order and they're doing great things for the church. But you cannot uh, a, a reward someone 
who has caused so much scandal, the founder has caused so much scandal, uh, you, you, you cannot reward it. So I think the Vatican went the wrong way and they just allowed them to kind of refound and they're still shrinking. So I think it's just a question of time might be a couple of decades or so, but they'll probably disappear at the end. Cause that's, cause we just have to go rely on Catholic principles. You cannot, uh, permit that. So anyway, so I came out of the order and it's been kind of rough trying to figure out where I'm going because, uh, the diocesan mainstream is is very liberal it's against my my catholic spirituality right uh, it's it's very protestantized so that's not my spirituality so i can't really support much of that and so um but i think god is is guiding me and thus far it's been eight years since i came out so i am i'm, I'm still a little, okay uh we'll, we'll, we'll just keep, keep praying for the next step so so in the end what was the determining factor that put your decision over the top to give you, you know, your life to give to your life to God forever. Well, it was a um, a moment of adoration of the Blessed Sacrament that really nailed the the lid on a coffin. It was uh, the summer of my s- beginning my senior year in high school, so the summer right before entering our senior year. I was we had adoration of Blessed Sacrament every day, so Father exposed the Blessed Sacrament, and I told myself I'll. I'll just be there for a visit, uh, a blessed sacrament for about 50 minutes and go home and have some breakfast after the mass. But that um, adoration took about three hours. Ah. And I was praying the sorrowful mysteries of the rosary that day. And and as I was going over the sorrowful mysteries of our Lord, I, I really experienced like I was right there in the scene. I didn't have any visions. Mm-hmm. Or anything weird like that, but I, I really felt that I was there. God gave me a very special grace to be there with Christ as He was carrying that cross, being uh, scourged, being crowned with thorns, being in the Garden of Gethsemane. Like I was there, but much more than just a bug on a wall, um, I was being there as a participant, as a protagonist, as someone engaging in everything that was happening. So that that really inflamed my whole soul as I was praying, meditating with with profit on these themes uh-huh and and i remember as i was going through our lord's suffering and try and i remember asking him a question as i was visualizing and in my imagination that he was carrying his heavy cross with all the wounds and i just directed it a, a word to him this is this was back in um uh 1990 1988 is the summer of 88 i believe and i what could I do to take you away from that suffering, even if it just be a couple of seconds? Wow. You know? And it's like in my little Im- imagination, our Lord stopped in his tracks and looked, kind of looked at me like he turned his head and looked at me, so to speak. And I'll never forget the words that came out of our Lord's lips. I would, it's like an interior voice that came in my heart. Uh, it was like he said, become my priest and follow me wherever I go. And he just continued carrying his cross. And, and for me, that was a moment, that was a determining moment that I really experienced that Christ was calling me to give everything, to be able to console his heart, to serve him, to be his priest, to bring, uh, be able to mediate between God and man and that extraordinary way of bringing them to heaven. And, you know, and just kind of a, a, a follow-up point to this. Uh-huh. So, so that that whole last year, I went to adoration, two hours of adoration every day after school, 
and, and I remember so often meditating on the sacred scriptures, uh, cultivating that presence of Christ in my soul. And I remember that the big theme that our Lord kept repeating to me was we have to save souls from hell. Like hell was a reality. Like many people are going to hell and I, and it's a very serious thing. And Christ made me extremely aware of that. Right. And, and so it was, it was for the eternal salvation of souls that I had to get on a ball and I had to do my duty of embracing uh, this, this priestly call. So th- that in a nutshell explains the initial uh, reality. And how do you how do you really say no to that? <laughs> <laughs> well, we could definitely do that, but that for me, I was kind of an imprudent. I will confess, I haven't seen you preach, but I know people that have, and and they say that you are definitely a pull no puncher. <laughs> so my question is, what gives you the courage? to speak the truth of Christ from the pulpit and not consider the consequences to yourself? Yes. Well, that's an easy answer. Um, uh, I really meditated, especially in high school before I embraced the priesthood, the phrase of St. Paul, where he says, woe to me if I did not preach the gospel. Wow. And so I really experienced that that phrase, because that's the word of God. I think any pastor, any person who wants to be a priest cannot uh, tickle the ears of the worldlings. Amen. uh, But rather, he must be incumbent to preach only what Christ has taught through his tradition of his church, outside of which there's no salvation. So therefore, I can't just play around. Now, I understand the whole thing about we have to bring people along. I mean, obviously, you have to bring people along. Of course. But when it comes to it, especially when we're talking about these sacred duties, there's not much room to be faking stuff or omitting things that people need to hear because they need to hear the truth that will save them. Well, because what will happen is – People will start thinking that what they're doing is okay. Exactly. You have to hear it. I mean, I and look, man, I, I haven't been Catholic for that long, but I know that just in coaching boys in football, right? Right. Even though they know something, you have to still reiterate it to them because it, the, if not, it goes dull a little bit. And when I first came to the Catholic faith and I saw like every year it was the same stuff you know the same readings i thought like, well, i wonder why they do that well they do that <laughs> because we need to be reinforced and when our priests don't do that it everybody starts to think well i can just do what i want go where i want do how i want right correct um all right so how has the current crisis in the catholic church affected you okay well it's affected me because um, in these past eight years, I've had eight assignments. Uh, I've gotten kicked out of some places. But, but anyway, I think that we're in a moment of uh, tremendous crisis. Hold one second, and, Father. What, what do you – you don't have to say, but can you give me an example of why, you know, um, why would – you have been put out of somewhere. I know it's probably could speak in your mind, but can you? <laughs> well, I'll just give you a generic uh, yeah. example of the truth of what happened to me. I was in one diocese 
And I had just made the decision. That was the same year I made the decision that I would just do Latin mass only. And so at the end of the year, the bishop just says, well, look, I, I have to get rid of you because I have no use for you. I have nowhere to put you. Um, he was kind of with the hope that I would kind of do some English masses or Spanish masses. Uh, but I just told him, I said, well, it's a thing of conscience now uh, that I have to do just a Latin mass because the Holy Mother Church gives me that option uh, to do Latin mass. Right. And so so he says, well, I I can't support you with that um and I, I have no money to give you so you have to go and look elsewhere so now is the reason because you're not the only you're not the first priest that i've met that says i'm only going to do the latin mass exclusively and i have friends and i try to explain to them that when you come the norvis ordo sure the church approves it okay but the latin mass i try to tell them the Latin Mass, you you get more graces for, as a man and the leader of your family. It's the it's you get more graces from that. And so, when you can you explain why the Latin Mass should be done exclusively? Okay, well, um, like like you say, um, I have nothing against the English Mass. It's perfectly valid. I've done it for the first forty two years of my life with with a lot of fruit. I uh, have nothing against it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's what's happening? I think is that in the parochial culture that we have in a, any given parish, there are massive abuses that are unchecked, and the true Catholic at heart is just tired of it. Uh, we want answers. We want true Catholic spirituality. I'll give you an example of this. Okay. Okay. Um. I, I, we we feel like we're we're tricked. We're being deceived. Yes, and, and, and I don't think that the bishops. I don't think the bishops are actually meaning it. Maybe maybe some of them are, but I think it's just an ignorance out there. For example, I give you this example of back in the seventies when when Pope Paul the Sixth. Now we have to say Saint Paul the Sixth. But anyway, uh, when he said, "Okay, we want people to start reading at mass." Okay, when they started making the changes. And they wanted lectors. He wrote a document, and in the document, uh, he says, "Okay, they should be only male. They should only be men, right? And only if the established lector, because as you know, they have minor orders. So you have lector, you have uh, uh, subdeacon, all these things. They got rid of a lot of these uh, sub uh, minor orders." Um, but anyway, we still have lector and acolyte, okay, which is an established order in a church, uh, minor orders. Before you become a deacon, you you become a lector and an acolyte, according you know clerics that are coming up the ranks, coming up the seminary training. So anyway, a lector, an established lector of minor orders, is to be had. And they're to train. They themselves are to train a group of viti. It says a Latin document, viti, which means men only. Uh huh. Now, what do we know from that? That's the document that Paul VI put out. No one has absolutely any clue about that document. To begin with. Um, Oh, lay people can start reading. So then they start putting women, they start putting, you know, everybody else in there. But there's been no official thing saying that the women can start reading in mass. Wow. 
Now, I have nothing against women. I mean, women could be doing whatever they want, but at least it was never decreed in that way. So you can see how the manipulation start. Right. Um, Paul VI said that if you start communing the hand, you're going to lose the faith. He said that with his own mouth and his own pen. Yes. And yet we get all of this. Oh, but now, now that the new, the new church, so that Paul VI, because he was weak, he just gave an indult saying, okay, well, I prefer this, but y'all can do this if y'all are going to start pounding <laughs> on my door. Uh, so so he, he did out of weakness. But then, I mean, you talk to any given bishop out there, and they'll just say, no, 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 no. The, the, the universal law of the church is communion in the hand. That's what they say. Wow. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's that's a deception. That is That is a historic manipulation because it's not that way. Right. So – so you have all of these, and these are grave, for me, these are grave things. When I start seeing the, the, the communion crumbs, which is the, the physical flesh, body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, uh, falling off of people's hands because they got the, the wafer on their hand, and they pick up the communion out of their hand, and you can see the crumbs falling off their hands. I'm sorry, this is something grave for me. Yes. And, and, and so even though I believe the validity of the, of the English Mass and all the rest of it, I, I just got to a point where... I can't put up with this nonsense. Let's just start being men. And if y'all don't want to give us the full truth, we are going to reassert the truth. We ourselves, period. Amen. So which brings me back to my question. How has the church crisis affected you? Yeah, well, it hasn't affected my faith because I, I believe it more than ever because I know our Lord is purifying me. Um, but it does give me a lot of concerns because what I can see is that souls are falling into hell by the droves even more. I know because that, because that's what a crisis will produce. It'll produce many more souls going to hell. Um, then you have your hands tied because the bishop has to worry about, you, you know, controlling you, um, or whatever. So, so therefore you're limited because you can't do more. You have to be obedient. So, um, Anyway, I, it, sometimes you just kind of feel useless. There's a big temptation. So please, I ask people out there who are listening to this, please pray for your priests because there's a lot of us who are trying to do more, but, you know, we get reeled in or whatever. Now, my bishop here, thanks be God, he's a very good man. I have nothing against uh, Bishop Foy. He's a great man. He's a great fighter on our side, and he has full support with me. So I have no problems right now, actually, right now. Uh, great. But just but just seeing the, the general situation in the church, uh, it's just so sad how men have lost their manhood. They don't want to fight for these things. They just cave in. They become feminine. Um, there's no fighting out there. There's no uh, reinforcing the truths that need to be reinforced. Uh, and we're just going along with a bunch of lies and a bunch of hogwash. So, so when you when you first heard uh, Archbishop Vagano's testimony, was your instinct? first instinct to believe him or dismiss it oh absolutely i said this is absolutely true <laughs> <laughs> all of it every yeah. single word and plus uh -huh. he mentioned my 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 disgraced founder twice in that one in, inside of that document the first 11 pages yeah the first 11 wow okay so what can the church do to recover from this well what you have to do is um I'm I, I think that we have to purify the episcopacy. Uh, we have too many uh, sodomites at the helm. Uh, we have to 
purify of all these traits. We have to bring the discipline back into the seminaries. They have to go back to cassocks, go back to the Latin. Um, they have to go back to our tradition. We have to go back to the saints, back to mortification. Mm-hmm. We have to reestablish uh, Christ's social reign in the society. I know it's going to hurt. It'll probably, we'll have a huge, massive drop-offs, like uh, dropouts uh, within the first 30 what? days of the but we, this is the only way to bring this thing, you know, and they've been saying this for years. Oh, we have to turn a ship around. You didn't, you, you, you don't turn a ship around on a dime, you know? Uh, so you have to turn it around slowly. Well, the more slowly we are turning the ship around, the further it gets turned the other way around. <laughs> but father, that's what they used to tell, tell the black, the, tell the black slaves and the black people after, uh, in the 1950s and since, well, you know, we have to, you, you just can't turn it around just like that. We have, it takes time. You know, yeah. and after a while, just like what you're saying, after a while you go, okay, it's been enough time. <laughs> right, right. Okay. You know, I, I think, oh, please, God, we have to pray for a pope that will come that will actually have the holy Roman Catholic and apostolic faith. Uh, let's stop all this politics, dialogue, all this stuff that has been a complete failure. Yes. Uh, and we, Now, we have to have charity. We have to be looking for everybody's authentic good supernatural good of course mm-hmm. uh but we have to start putting things clearly we have to have some perhaps that'll produce a lot of martyrs uh, but that's the only way that, that the, the splendor of christ's grace can shine through the church and be able to save souls and bring this church back into its its full way of 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 being uh, in the visible sense Well, 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 I hope you enjoyed part one of my interview with my distinguished guest, Father Jeffrey Jambon. You can catch part two of our interview in Catholic Alpha Radical Episode 12. In conclusion, as we always do, we end with a quote from Pope Benedict XVI, quote, society offers you comfort, but you weren't made for comfort. You were made for greatness. So, go forth, Christian soldier. The spiritual fight is up on you. Fast, pray, and prepare for battle. Thank you, Christian soldier, for listening in today. Remember, Catholic Alpha Radical is designed to repair, ignite, and once again spark the fire back into your marriage or relationship. So, what's your next action step? One, share this podcast with someone needing help in their marriage or relationship. Two, rate this podcast if listening on iTunes. Three, subscribe to this podcast if listening on CatholicAlpha.com to get new episodes in your email now.